everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Tactical Games Podcast with Tim Burke and Nate. I'm Nate, and on the other end of this microphone and in the other ear that you're listening with is Tim. Say hello, Tim. Hello from the Tactical Games. There we go. Now, Tim, last week we talked about the games themselves. We talked about where they kind of originated from, your background and everything. Let's move this forward a little bit and talk about the athletic development and the other key important part of the games is the uh what's the word i'm looking for organized not no not the organizers the volunteers and the officials that's what i was looking for so let's start off by talking about the officials because without officials we're just a bunch of crazy people running up and down ranges with with loaded firearms and heavy equipment right that's right that's right so so your, go ahead go ahead uh, yeah, no, go go ahead and ask your question and, and then I'll elaborate. Oh, okay. So with your officials, you don't have a full dedicated cadre of officials yet, or do you? Um, we have um, a, a very small circle of um, regulars, uh, people that have kind of dedicated themselves to the tacticult and um, – they, they literally take time off of their jobs, take time out of their life, lives and, uh, and make their way to each of the events. Um, you know, uh, we've had people that have been at all of them and we've had people that have only missed one up to this point. Uh, and, I, and I generally, because of their, uh, you know, their legacy experience, I rely very heavily on them uh, in the day or two leading up to the event. And then throughout the weekend to make sure that um, things are running smoothly. At this point, they they know what I like. They know what the vision is. They know you know the left and right limits and the parameters of what they can and can't do. Um, and they know uh, most importantly, they know when to come and ask a question. Right. Um, so so we have a, a small cadre, uh, less than ten, I would say, of people who. Um, regularly come and and they're just priceless they're wonderful people and i love them very very much uh and then we have uh, a growing stable of people that um are volunteering for the first time or you know on, a, on an as per basis they're like hey i can make it to this event and um, just plug me in wherever i i need to be and um you know the, the truth is like you said, if if we didn't have judges, we call them judges. Judges, okay. Um, you know, they basically play the role of an RSO. Um, but on some of the battles that we do, we we literally have to have one to one ratio, one judge per athlete. And um, you know, it's kind of funny at the very first event, uh, we only had about twenty competitors, and we were still figuring a bunch of stuff out. It was. It was just a trial event, really, just to see if it would even work. Um, but one of the guys that volunteered to be a judge was wearing a Fitbit or something like that, that, that kind of tracked his energy levels and, and distance that he moved. And from the time he showed up on Thursday evening to help set up, and then the time he left about midday on Sunday, when he got home, he texted me and sent me a picture of his, his Fitbit and it said in those two and a half days, he had moved a marathon wow. plus running up and down the field 
chasing athletes and grading targets. So, um, so <laughs> we've thankfully we've made some changes since then. Um, at the last event that, that we did um, in Mississippi, uh, I, it was literally the end of the day on Sunday, and I looked at the line. We had five athletes, and only three judges, and I very quietly I was like, "Hey, where where did everyone go?" And um, one of the guys looked at me and said, "Dude, they're hydrated. They're they're crushed." So, uh, so we changed some things up now to make it easier on the judges, so they're not running with the athletes. Uh, you know, in every run or every battle, um, we uh, we're using the handoff method. You know, I'll start you and start the timer, and the athlete will run, um, and then you know they're just running by themselves along a prescribed route until they get to the next. Uh, significant point where they need to be graded or judged. And, uh, and thank God, you know, the judge is sitting there not running along with them. So we're, we're learning. Um, but the judges are absolutely necessary. We could not literally could not host an event without the volunteers. And, um, you know, so what we've we've started to do is uh, if a person comes out and they volunteer for one day, we give them 50% off registration wow. on a future event. If they come out and volunteer for the full weekend, we comp their whole registration on a future event within one year of them doing that. So, you know, five years from now, they can't go, Hey, you know, back in the 2019, I, you know, I spent an afternoon with you guys. It's just too hard to track that kind of activity, but, but, uh, well, but yeah, and, volunteers and are having seen level. the amount of work that these volunteers do. Uh, except for JP, he doesn't do any work, which we all know. So thanks for listening, JP. The uh, the <laughs> the best way to get ready for the games, I guess, would have been to go and be a judge in those early days because your conditioning would have been through the roof. Um, that that there's no other sport or activity yep. where a judges uh, run so hard, uh, unless uh, I'm missing something that's out there or whatever. But to actually because for an athlete, you're doing your three battles, but a judge, uh, they're doing like you some marathon over a weekend. That's pretty intense. And to get your, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, we've actually had some of the athletes come up and, um, and after the fact say, you know, wow, that was a great competition, man. It was a smoker. Uh, I'm glad I was an athlete instead of a judge because the judges, they didn't get a, you know, a rest or time off. They were going every, every evolution. And, um, you know, it was just their way of saying thanks to the judges, but, uh, it really highlighted the fact that the judge, you know, up till now, again, we've broken the code and, and made it much easier, but up until now, the judges have worked their, their butts off. And, um, I, I, for one, you know, certainly appreciate that. Oh, yes. And, and they're still going to be working their butts off um, because they're the ones that help set up the apparatus. They prove the the ranges and do all that. And if you are interested in coming out to see what the games are about, as as you're hearing from Tim, it's, it's a great experience and a great indoctrine to do the judging uh, volunteer for even just one day to get a taste and sense of it because you get to watch everything. You get to be part of everything. And you get to test your your conditioning before you jump in as an uh, as an athlete, which is you know as as we're saying slightly not easier, just different. Um, and and that brings me to my next point that I want to talk about is is the sense of the community, the, the tactical. You have these people that are willing to travel all across the country or internationally to come 
be judges, to be part of this. You don't see that as frequently in other sports. Why is that happening here? Yeah, so, you know, you can you can look at the your typical soccer mom or your your hockey dad or whoever it is, um, and they're willing to to, you know, kind of take their kid, excuse me. <coughs> excuse me um to, they're they're willing to drive you know four maybe five hours regionally <coughs> wow sorry uh to to take their child to whatever sport they're engaged in um once once um you know an athlete gets serious enough about a sport if they're not in collegiate or professional sports they only do it locally or regionally right i mean you don't just see um you know pick up game football leagues traveling, you know, from Florida to California, for example. Um, so, you know, the fact that somebody lives in San Diego and they're willing to jump on a plane, pay their own way, fly all the way to Mississippi, drive, rent a car, drive, get a hotel, pay their food, pay the entrance fee, uh, bring the ammo or buy it there. Um, you know, uh, you know, a regular event that, you know, maybe cost couple hundred bucks for for some people gets you know upwards in the the seven eight nine hundred maybe even a thousand dollars for some of these people and yet <coughs> wow i swallowed down the wrong tube nate i apologize um you know <laughs> it's, okay. and, and, it's, it's day one and, and yet they're you know they're willing to make the trip and um at first you know i was i was kind of flattered you know i was like holy cow there i mean they're making this long trip i mean Second event ever we had in North Carolina. People came from New York City and Boston, and, uh, and I was flattered, you know. And then after the event, they're like, "Hey, we're going to get on the road. We have like a 13-hour drive." And it, it just occurred to me, I was like, "Holy crap! Why would they come all that way?" <laughs> and the answer is really becoming pretty evident now. And I, and I don't say this boastfully or in in, in arrogance. It's just highlighting the the super cool nature of the games and, and, and their character, but there's nobody else out there that's doing what we're doing. Um, when we go to a facility, I think I talked a little bit about this last time. Um, you know, we we leverage whatever is available there, and um, there's a video out now on Recoil TV under their Recoil events, uh, and it's highlighting our games that we had in Meridian, Mississippi. <clears throat> and uh, one of the comments that's made on there is you don't get to do this anywhere else. The exactly. only place you get to do that is here. And and they they say that as, you know, the, the voiceover is happening as these people are crawling through, you know, like 60 feet of tunnel and, um, you know, on their belly and, you know, crawling through these tight spaces and confined spaces. And it really became evident from that event and forward that we, we've created a business model that we're, yes, we're, we're testing physical fitness. Yes, we're providing, you know, an atmosphere in which we're making them shoot from unconventional shooting positions and in ortho, unorthodox ways. But what we're really selling is an experience. And it's, you know... What's the number one question you have on a shooting range is guys and gals going, gosh, I wonder what it would be like to be a Delta Force operator. Gosh, I wonder what it would be like to be training as a SEAL Team 6 member. 
you know, wow, what if I was on FBI HRT? You know, what would that be like? And what we're doing is we're pulling back the curtain at the tactical games and providing a training environment and a testing environment that's based on the very training that those units provide. So uh, it's all about the experience. And when they walk away at the end of the week and they go, holy crap, you're not going to believe what I just got to do. And that's the magic right there. And that is the magic. It is about the experience and having worked in different industries, um, people are more willing to put their money down on an experience that is rewarding. And and uh, the term tactitainment has been floating around there because the industry, there's certain areas where you can't teach this, or you can't do that. And then people are like, well, if you're, you're teaching stuff and that's against the law or it's not cool or you're not certified this or whatever, the experience. No, no, nobody said anything about the games not being certified or anything like that. That's just broad strokes of the rest sure. of the, the firearms industry, which, you know, is what it is. And we're not going to get into that politics of the stuff, but we're going to stay on the, the experience. And the games provides an experience that is so grassroots, but yet so, like you said, Delta operator, SEAL operator, you know, you know, taking the Ranger skills and stuff like that. And it's basically opening the best ranger competition up to regular people kind of thing. If, if I might term that somewhat. Um, well, well, if I could interject, um, Nate, you took part in the event that we had at Reveille Peak Ranch in Texas, uh, a month or two ago. And if I remember right, you made a comment to me, something like, man, I haven't had this much fun since I was yes. active. And, or you said something about, you know, it's so good to be around like-minded individuals out here getting some, getting busy, testing yourself, both shooting and in physical realm. And, um, you know, I don't remember exactly how you said that, but um, I remember thinking, yeah, this guy misses the old life, you know. So we also provide. So thanks for that. using my own words against me. Um, <laughs> no, in all honesty, I did say those those words to, to that degree. So I was uh, Canadian Forces for. Uh, a while and when i got released medically i was i've been searching in the civvy world for for that intensity that that feeling that camaraderie that that lifestyle and being at the games the first day i, I ran around filming everything and just just so excited to be there like the big puppy dog and then the next day i actually competed and uh, i think tim took advantage of the fact that i was going to compete the next day because it felt like he made the events a little bit harder uh, just on that. <laughs> so, um, but no, staying on topic is for me, watching all these people compete and the camaraderie and there was no backbiting. There was no negative talk. I literally was like, okay, does anybody have any bullets I can buy off them? And people were throwing, you know, not whipping bullets at me, but handing over boxes of ammo. And, and, uh, you know, people were like, sure, hey, sure. I've got a pistol with this because I didn't have 40 cal for the one that you had loaned me. So I had to find nine mil. And, and it just it just all fell together so well. And everybody was so supportive. And then there was a problem, uh, not really a problem, but and, and we all ran into this. I, I caught myself doing it once, too. Um, counting your rounds, you're shooting and you're like, OK, this mag's got 20 and this one's got 30. And you know, we're supposed to have this and we're supposed to be paying attention. And a couple of guys after the fact mentioned to each other, like, yeah, I stepped off. I started running. I was like, oh, crap, turned around, went back, fired off the last of the rounds because I had done the math in my head. Um, and this is what they were saying. And that integrity was there 
in everybody. And nobody was like, you know, mm, your, yeah. your gear's worse than mine, or I've got this one. There was no Gucci stuff. It was all about the work and the effort that everybody was putting into it. And watching some of the, uh, the elites, actually all categories, everybody was there cheering everybody on, no matter how much they had finished ahead or behind of each other. And that community sense was so, so epic that I was, I was hooked like right there. That cool, like you could offer me 10 glasses of Kool-Aid for the cult and I would have drank all 10. Um, for sure. Because it, it, was, it was such, <laughs> and it is, not was, it is. Even through social media and stuff now, you're not seeing that traditional, um, I don't want to use the word negativity, but uh, ego. We'll go with ego. You're not seeing the ego that you do in other sports because on any given day, you can screw up and anybody can pass. Like we we watched um, one of the guys, in, I can't remember what the name of the event was. It was with the uh, Little Steels, multicolored uh, ones with the Atlas Stones and everything. And they had to shoot at the rack with their pistol. Oh, meeting gone wrong. That's what it was. And... Uh, one of the guys, he was the first one to the rack, but he was the last one leaving. He just could not hit those steals. And afterwards, he was laughing. Everybody was just laughing. And it's like, hey, it happens. Right. And that is the the culture of this activity and this, this uh, community and this sport. And that is the same things that you would see. Well, Tim, you, you know, at your high-end level of stuff and the, the levels that I made it to or didn't make it to in my Canadian Forces career is the higher – level you get with people that are more proficient and comfortable with themselves the better the camaraderie and that intensity of feeding off of each other in a positive way is there does that does that quantify what we're trying to say yeah absolutely and and honestly you know i credit greg glassman the founder of crossfit um <clears throat> the first uh crossfit gym i ever attended um, you know, I got done with the, the workout and I'm thinking, man, I'm, I kind of came in at the upper third, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And, um, you know, kind of, you know, over your shoulder, you come out of the military. It's like, yeah, man, I, I beat everyone. I, I wasn't the winner. And then <clears throat> I see the people that beat me in that particular workout surrounding the person that was doing the worst you know, and cheering them on, come on, you got this. And, <clears throat> and the truth is everybody comes to a CrossFit gym for a different reason and at a different season in life. Right. Yes. Um, and so I just enjoyed that atmosphere so much that it, it's not me, it's we. And I wanted to thread that into the tactical games and although, you know, everybody's there as an individual athlete and everybody's competing to win, you know, once you cross the finish line or even in the middle of an event, there's no reason not to cheer somebody on. There's no reason to, to not go, hey, bro, you got this, man. Dig deep. Come on. Stay with me. And the beauty is everyone gets that. And and you see people you know, proverbially and literally reaching their hand out and helping somebody up. And I love that. I love that the community is growing around that kind of an ethos. And, um, you know, I, I'll do as, as the founder and, and owner of it, uh, I'll do everything I can to foster that kind of uh, atmosphere, um, that kind of camaraderie 
<clears throat> and um, yeah, I, I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Now, with that fostering, and this is a topic that's come up a few times, is the categories. So you have the elites and you have your uh, intermediates and then you have your masters. There was some talk about opening just a non-competitive category. Right. What, uh, um, uh, what, what, what's, what's happening with that? What's, and why the thoughts of having, because I, I, I remember that conversation, but I want you to talk about your thoughts on the non-compete or non-competitive class. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously it's a competition. Competition means that there will be winners and, and I don't say losers because everybody that competes is a freaking winner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, if you got the spine to come out and, and give it a shot, you're a, you're a winner, right? Um, <clears throat> so, you know, there's winners and there's, you know, not winners. Um, what I didn't realize is, is when I first started promoting this, I used some really strong language, meaning, you know, the hardest games ever, you know, the, the toughest physical challenge, elite, you know, all these kind of words. And, you know, all those words to me and my personality with my background, all of those words stir something in me that goes, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to show you. I'm going to overcome that. I'm going to beat this. Exactly. Or I'm gonna, you know what I mean? And, and the competitive nature comes out in me like, you know, like a shark feeding frenzy. But I, I didn't realize that those words would actually intimidate a lot of people. And so one of the most common questions that I, I get still is how good of a shape do you need to be in to be in the tactical games? And again, I, I answer it the same way every time is, you know, what do you want to do? You know, if you want to come and be around great people, you know, um, feel a part of something, challenge yourself in new and exciting ways, then come on, just like, just as you are, you know, um, if you want to win, obviously you better put some work and some time in and bring your A game because the other guys are. Um, so kind of stepping back as a businessman now and looking at that holistically, I thought, you know, here we are, we're, we're really tapping into that super competitive personality that's out there. But what about the, that person that maybe has a health issue or maybe was in a car crash and, and can't run, you know, seven miles straight anymore, or, you know, that person that destroyed his shoulder in a parachute accident and can't climb a rope. You know, what about those people that would just love to do it as an experience and just say, dang, that was fun. I, I've never shot from a vehicle before, or I never got to climb up and, and shoot from a, an engineer's cab on a, an Amtrak train. Um, so we have considered opening a non-competitive division where people could just pay, you know, their engine registration fee. And, um, yep. you know, we'd still start them, you know, three, two, one, go. And, uh, and it would just be an encouraging thing, you know, um, instead of, you know, oh man, you got, you know, out of the 20 shots, you missed three. That's a 30 second penalty. Oh yeah. Which again, drives me, you know, I mean, tell yep. me what I did wrong. I'm going to fix it, you know? Um, but instead of, you know, grading them and slash judging them, you know, the whole way, it's like, you got this bro. And, you know, we cheer them on. 
And I think there's a whole part or a whole demographic out there that would just really eat that up. So uh, we're just we're just trying to you know work through that on the on a detailed level before we introduce it. Um, we want to make sure that once we do, uh, you know, we we prepared for all the eventualities that it, that it might bring. So that's where we're at. Yeah, you want to do it. You want to do it right because um, you see all these. And, and touching back to what you said earlier, like when I got out, uh, I was lost. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. When I retired, I was lost. I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, I just was searching for something and stumbled across what you guys did. Like from day one, I was a fan um, from your first event and what you were building up to. And yes, the language was strong, but it stirred something in you. It, it come from a point of, of passion and f uh, fire, not fury, fire. Um, and for me, like when you say, you know, the destroyed shoulder and stuff like that, I used to race biathlon uh, for the Canadian forces, did it for years, a lot of fun stuff. I was medically released. I do have some uh, injuries mm -hmm. that uh, are not fixable, but I still compete at the games. Like when I competed there, I wasn't trying to beat anybody else. I just wanted to see if I could still handle doing some of that stuff. Sure. And uh, yeah, the rope climb, I'm not going to lie. I did not get very high on the rope. My shoulder said no. So down to the ground I went and I started to reintroduce myself to burpees. And uh, <laughs> yeah, well, they were great. You know, uh, <laughs> so there, I support the idea and, and I'm looking forward to, because it's not, a, it's not a question of if or not, it's going to be when you guys, uh, when the games are able to institute this new category, because there is going to be a lot of people that are coming from the woodwork that are just going to be happy to be able to test themselves to see where they're at. And again, that falls right back to that sense of the community that we talked about earlier. And I think this whole episode is just about community uh, in general, because there is so much strength in surrounding yourself with the right key people that have like-minded attributes and passions and goals, and they're driven. Um, touching a little bit on myself last few years, and I, I know there's tons of people out there, and this is going to make sense in a second, that when you get out or you, you know, stop doing the thing that you love or whatever, you start to surround yourself with the wrong people or you start making bad decisions or you just kind of feel lost. Well, when you can find that community that you really truly belong in again, your life takes a turn for the better. Um, you yourself, Tim, have said that you've had people, athletes come up to you afterwards and say, you know, I've been doing this for a couple months now. I'm not using the, uh, the medications I was before. Or my body feels this way. Mm -hmm. or, you know, I fought off diabetes or whatever. That sense is so cool because in this activity, this sport, okay, you have to have a certain level of mental toughness to be able to want to push through it because there's going to be times where you're out there and you've designed the, the events to be like this. I imagine you evil man to really make <laughs> you question, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I standing here yeah. with this, uh, brute force pack on my back that I don't even know what it weighs. And I've still got another, you know, umpteen feet to go before I even start engaging targets, which I forgot to pay attention to the scoring area. And you're just running through all those questions in your head. And you get to that point where you're like, okay, am I going to move forward or am I just going to quit? And that, yeah, that is so, that's the tipping point that everybody needs in their life. And we have to, as human beings, deep down, I know I'm on a rant right now, a little bit of a tear here, but at deep down, we have to, we have to be tested. 
we have to push ourselves because we're human beings. You know, our nature is to be competitive, to be better than who we were yesterday. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and even to take it one more step is <clears throat> part of the attraction to some of these people that have said, literally come up to me and say, hey, the tactical games saved my life. It gave me a reason to live. Um, uh, you know, those those kinds of people come from military law enforcement backgrounds where they're part of a quote unquote tribe, right? They, they go to, to work every day and they're immersed in a group of people who are like-minded, um, share the same ethos, the same values. And <clears throat> for example, in the military, they, you know, you know, this, you jump out of the military and all of a sudden you find yourself in a world where not very many people share those values or yeah. ethos. You know, they'll stab you in the back and cut your Achilles tendon for a dollar. And um, so so part of the attraction, Nate, is for, uh, you know, every other month or so, these people get to come together and be surrounded and immersed by that kind of a community where they know with their values, their, their belief systems, um, they're surrounded by people that believe and think and act the same way. Uh, you know, if somebody steals at the tactical games, I jokingly say they will be <laughs> shot, but that's only slightly yep. a joke, right? Um, so it's just great people having a great time uh, surrounded by other great people. And, you know, again, in the civilian world, many times, uh, when you're competing in something, it's me against you, bro. There's a winner and there's a loser. And that, there's just never that feeling at the tactical games. Even if you're the last one that comes in and crosses the line, there's there's more people cheering for you because everyone that came in before you is now your cheerleaders, right? I mean, they they crossed the line, they caught their breath, and now they're all about you finishing and, and completing what you're doing. And, and and therein lies the the attraction. It's a place. It truly to is. And so, if you are listening to this and you have not yet come to the tactical games or seen any of the footage that uh, is out there, you definitely need to look it up because this has been it, it is something worth at least watching. And those that are listening that have been through the battles and are going, okay, Nate, Tim, you you've got us. We're following. You're talking to the choir. Give us some some tips for training or something. Let's let's crack that nut of the uh, the evil genius and see what we can get out of there to decipher for the next event. Well, let's move on to that. So, Tim, last week or sorry, okay. last episode, we talked about touched on uh, lactic acid. We've talked about Coach Glassman and the original workouts, and we've talked about mental toughness. We've talked about being proficient at the basics. So with that in mind, what is one tip that you would have or, or discussion point about lactic acid for those that don't understand what it is? Because a lot of these, you know, a lot of our listeners may not know what a lactic acid is or how it affects your system. So can you explain it to us? Yeah, so... Um, you know, a quick science lesson, uh, you know, as you take in a breath, um, you know, that, that oxygen molecule, if you will, goes to the your lungs, it goes across a, a blood barrier uh, and switches out 
on a blood cell, a red blood cell with CO2, there's an exchange there. We call it an oxygen exchange. And um, that red blood cell then becomes the vehicle that carries that brand new molecule of oxygen or air bubble to a place in the body where it's needed. Um, you know, we've all took, took off running or, you know, did an exercise where your legs started to burn. Or if you want to do a, you know, a quick uh, test on this, just drop down and start doing push-ups as fast as you can for as long as you can. And pretty soon you'll find that burning feeling in those, those muscle groups that you're using, whether you're doing squats or push-ups, um, you know, that, that associated muscle group will start to burn. And what that is, is your body is saying, I can't exchange oxygen fast enough. And the CO2 is now sitting here and, and, and it's acidic. The pH balance is different than oxygen. So you, you start to build up lactic acid and that shortens your performance cycle, right? I, I can't do as many push-ups. I can't do as many squats. I can't run fast enough or far enough because of that buildup of CO2. So by, by working out, obviously the goal is to make my body more efficient at exchanging oxygen for carbon dioxide. And so that threshold at which your body cannot keep up with the demand is called your lactic acid threshold. So when you start to burn in your lungs and your body starts to go, oh my gosh, I can't do this for much longer. And your, that triggers your brain and your brain goes, I, I think I'm going to quit now and start walking. That's your lactic acid threshold. So here's my tip. When you are designing your workouts, I would say if you think at the tactical games you're going to carry, let's just use the water cans, for example, five gallons of water at 14.7 pounds per gallon, something like that. Um, you know, do the math. That's one in each hand. I would say add 20, 25% to that weight so that when you pick up the water cans, they feel light to you because you've been carrying something heavier. So for the strength side, increase all the, the suspected weights by 20 to 25%. Um, for the lactic acid side or the aerobic side, which you have to have both, you can't just be strong and you can't just be fast. You've got to be strong and fast. Um, for the lactic acid threshold side, I would say, Extend your workouts either in intensity or in time, you know, length or endurance uh, during the exercise um, to the point where you hit that lactic acid threshold at least once or twice a week. You've got to do that. And two things will happen. Number one, uh, just by physi physiology, your body starts to adapt and it will push your lactic acid threshold higher. So you get more fit. But the other benefit to doing that kind of a workout that most people overlook is the mental side of it. If I push myself regularly to the point where I'm like, holy cow, I don't know if I can go anymore. And then you take 10 more steps. Then you're training your brain to tap into something that most people never get into. And you know, I did it in special forces assessment selection. I did it uh, in another unit selection where your body hits a, hits a wall. And 
I can remember standing there on a road at two in the morning with a hundred pounds of gear and rucksack on me. And I literally did not know if I could take another step. And after sitting there for a moment and thinking about it, I thought, I'm not going down this way. I am definitely not going to quit. I literally leaned forward, not knowing whether one of my feet would step out and catch me and take a step or if I was just going to face plant. Obviously, we know the story. I, I did serve as a Green Beret for 20 years, 21 years. So we know that my, my foot did catch me. But, but, if, but if you don't take yourself there in training, you're not going to magically do it when you need to in the moment. So, so train how you're going to fight. And, um, and I think that will. I, I can't agree with you any more than that. And that's, that is the key takeaway is you have to train harder in the gym. So you sweat more in training than bleed uh, less in battle. Right. Uh, I don't know if you've heard that expression before or not, but uh, yeah, I definitely right. did not just make that up for the record. Somebody else said it before me, obviously. Uh, <laughs> And on that, right. I've also heard train, yes. train hard, war yeah. easy. There, it, it all makes sense. And with that said, you better be pushing yourselves because the evil genius is waiting for you at the games, and he is going to point out any flaws that you have uh, or um, things you've neglected in your training and development. I would definitely, definitely say that you're you're going to be trying to point out those those areas of development aren't you tim <laughs> why not sure yeah <laughs> i mean i you know i don't i just don't walk up to somebody and go hey dude you're you're severely lacking in your lactic acid threshold but um you know if people walk up to me and ask me um, you know i'm certainly happy to chime in and, and you know give them any advice that i have but uh, you know i'm not an expert go ahead oh yeah <laughs> Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm referring to the actual events themselves. Like, you know, like you said, you train one way and then you show up and you get to the games because you're like, oh, I, I saw what they did in Texas. So I've got all that, not, you know, batten down. And then you show up to the, you know, North Carolina and you're like, oh, this is nothing like that. And well, that's because Tim says he maximizes every venue to its best abilities. So just get out there, hit the gym, train hard and see what happens when you show up, I guess. Yeah. So here, here's a little tip for those that are going to be competing in Georgia coming up in June, June 22nd, 23rd. Uh, a lot of shorter sprint style battles with heavier weights. Oh, I might have a chance. There, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will tell you this, the, the longest movement, you know, we, we always have one longer movement. Yes. Right. Uh, the longest that we've done has been five miles. and. Um, you know, somewhere in between that at each of the other events uh, in Georgia, the uh, the longest movement the athletes will make is one point one four miles. Uh, but I will tell you that is a, a butt kicking one point one four miles. So uh, it'll be interesting to say the least. And if you want any more intelligence on that, go check out uh, the tactical games on Instagram. There is some video and some pictures of uh, some of that area that he's referring to. I think that's uh, I think that's enough beans being spilled for today, Tim. What do you think? Yeah, I think that covers uh, a pretty wide swath of of subject matter. And uh, for more more of this um, 
tactical and fitness oriented goodness. They'll have to tune in, in again uh, at the next uh, podcast. Exactly. So I've been Nate. This has been Tim Burke, the Tactical Games Podcast, and we look forward to invading your ear canals next time. <laughs>